All right, Skyscrapers Nation, welcome back to episode seven. I'm your co-host, Marty. Of course, I'm with YB here. All good in the hood. We got a special edition today. We are with James J.B. Bryant. Say hello, buddy. Hey, guys. All right. He is our good friend and business partner, and uh, we're going to get to an in-depth conversation with J.B. today. Guys, I'll tell you what. I know this guy for a long time. Uh, I see him every day, almost every day, but I'm excited to just hear about what he really feels about change. And uh, obviously, we know that change is is something that dominates our life. The weather changes. You know, we got to change our shoes. Um, And a lot of people don't deal with change very well. But I'll tell you this about this. Um, I was going to say young man, but he's getting up there in the 30s. So I'm just going to say man. Uh, (laughs) He he has dealt with change extraordinary well. And we just want to talk about that and and, and see if there's anything that you guys can take from it. So, JB, let's start from the beginning, man. I I don't think a lot of people know all of your stories. Sometimes people know tidbits here or there. Um, Let's start from the beginning, man. Where are you from? Originally from Reading, Pennsylvania, about four hours east of here. Red Dot City. The Red Dot City, that's exactly right. Um, man, I'm the baby of six. A lot of people don't know that I am uh, I mean, I'm from a pretty, a pretty large family. Uh, I'm 32 years old. The oldest sibling is 52. So there's a large span of uh, time in between us. But uh, the, the oldest is Howard Robbins. He acted like uh, a father figure to me. And, and that's kind of where it begins in Reading for me as far as... Um, the change is concerned. Yeah. So let's let's stay on the on the family. So you are the baby. Now, for people or listeners who um, who've never met JB, um, he's not built like a baby. He's about six three. About well, right now, about two two thirty five, two forty. The question is, are you the smallest of your family? Or are you the biggest? I'm actually the biggest. Uh, I'm out. I'm out. I'm taller than everybody by almost two or three inches. Mm-hmm. I have another brother who's uh, who's got muscles and things just like I do, but he's definitely a significant amount shorter than I am. And then my older brother um, is a little taller than my other brother, Sam, but he's still shorter than I am by at least two inches. So people wonder, probably are thinking, like, who cares how big this guy is? I think it's important because I am from Reading as well, too, and I'm about three and a half, almost four years older than James. And this kid, this guy's been this size since about 13. Okay, so I oh, think that is, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <man. That's> legit, <laughs> legit. So think about, uh, you know, peddling your kids to, uh, you know, to a, a little league, a little game. league football game, and this guy shows up, and you're like, whose dad is playing? <laughs> um, and so, JB, tell us a little bit about. Um, athletics for you because that's an important part of your life um, and I think people should know about that. It definitely was a, a big part of my life. I started playing football around the age of seven. Uh, I remember it like it was yesterday walking at least a mile with my mom and my brother to um, to Keffer Park to sign up for uh, Northwest AA football and uh, how pumped we both were to, to actually start playing football. And our household and our, and our family history doesn't have a lot of football players in it. We were the first and, um, and we kind of set the bar high, uh, expectation-wise, for football because we were really good football players. But, but before us, everybody played basketball or they were in the military. Uh, nobody really played football. And football wasn't something that we sat around the TV and watched every Saturday when college games were on or every Sunday when NFL games were on. I remember not really sitting down and watching my first uh, Super Bowl until about 2003. 
Uh, I was sitting with a, a mentor of mine at the time. His name was Tommy Miller. He played football at, at uh, Reading High, went on to the University of uh, Maryland and played football there. And um, he yeah, was a big part of my life at that time. And he was actually uh, suffering from cancer. And I was like, you know what? I've never watched the Super Bowl before. I'm going to go over there and hang out with Tommy and watch the, watch the whole game, the whole Super Bowl game. And then uh, shortly after that, we lost Tommy about three months after that, that Super Bowl. So that was a really, a really big uh, turning point in my life when it comes to just watching the game of football because I had never watched the Super Bowl. Wasn't too crazy about watching football in general. It was just something that we always played, something we always did. Good, man. Now, let's... You know, you're from Reading, which is a small city, and and you're right. You know, basketball is probably king in, um, you know, in that town. Um, but you did, you did get a lot of attention, um, you know, for how good of an athlete you were. Um, your brother was a pretty good athlete as well too. But you're probably twice as twice as good as he is. Sorry, Sam. Um, <laughs> but uh, I want to start talking about, or just get your your input on. The transition, because I'm gonna talk about change. The first change that I, you know, of course you're gonna you're gonna have your own things as well too. But just things in our interactions, coming from a small town, Reading, and then and you were what top five linebackers in the in the country coming out. Top five linebacker in the country, ranked at number two, uh, the number one linebacker in the state of Pennsylvania. Played in the Big Thirty Three game, which was the top thirty three in in Pennsylvania, playing against the top. 33 in Ohio at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, also played in, like I said, in the U.S. Army All-American game where the top 25 players in the in the country on both sides of the ball get an opportunity to square off uh, East versus West. Uh, some of the names that you might know that play with me uh, in that game, Adrian Peterson was one of them. Mm -hmm. um, Chad Henning was another mm -hmm. one. Uh, a couple of D linemen that are still in the league right now. Uh, A.J. Shipley played in that game with me as well. Went to Penn State, played nose tackle. And he played center. Uh, now still plays in the league as a as a as a guard, I believe. A couple guys are still playing Canada now, but yeah, I definitely played with um, with some ballers. And I myself was definitely a baller. At yeah, that time. you were. You definitely were. Now, let's go back to the to the city difference, right? Because you went to Miami from school, from uh, right from high school, right? So, you know, again, coming from Reading, PA, um, to the city of Miami, the U which was just coming off their, you know, their second golden age when you went there. So that, that was a huge, I know that was a huge thing for us, for us growing up in Reading, like, yo, JB is going to the U, like, we made it, you know? Yeah, man, it was crazy. And then you even just back up a little bit more mm -hmm. than that, when you go all the way back to middle school. I was a troubled kid in middle school, mm -hmm. um, had a learning disability. I was dyslexic. Nobody really knew that. Uh, played freshman football as an eighth grader, but I remember you talk about changing points, and I don't remember a whole lot from my childhood, but I remember being in seventh grade, kind of got in some, some, some trouble with a teacher at school, and my, my oldest brother came and got me that night from home, and uh, he drove me over to uh, BCP, which is Brooks County Prison, and he said, if you continue to act the way you're acting, this is where you're going to end up. Uh, mom is tired of getting the phone calls from the teachers about you being a jerk in, in school and being disruptive and, and so on and so forth. And that kind of was the, the initial, the very first changing point for me. Got my act together, went in the eighth grade season, and, I, and they had an opportunity to ask me to play as a freshman, which was an honor because I got an opportunity to be a little bit closer to my brother, uh, learn the game a little bit faster. I was going from a Northwest AA league into playing freshman football. 
had a great season that year, rushed for just over 1,000 yards there. And then the next change came, going from middle school into high school. Um, started as a freshman on a varsity level after um, Vince Holloway late shot a guy who played at Michigan State after his career was over. And I got an opportunity to actually just play. And uh, I really got an opportunity to flourish from there. So that was another huge turning point, being a young kid coming in and playing at that high level. And I remember going into the locker room after that season was over uh, for camp as a sophomore and said, you know, I want to play at the University of Miami. And I remember people laughing at me. And, um, and from there on was the drive or the seed that was planted for me to make sure that everybody knew that I was the best player to walk in and out of these locker room doors no matter what anybody said. And uh, still to this day, I still feel like that is, that is true. Um, and then going from, you know, being that guy who snuck out of the house to go work out, because in my mind, I thought that if it's one o'clock in the morning in Reading, that means that it's got to be about 11 o'clock somewhere in Cali and they're sleeping. So I got to figure out a way to make sure that I'm working, getting better while they're sleeping. Years go on, years go on. I, I accumulated a, a lot of tackles. I was a tackling machine. That's what I did best. I got to the ball, put my hat on the ball. And they got opportunities to play at the next level and had offers anywhere I wanted to go. But for some reason, and again, we talked about not my household not being a football household. I really didn't watch the University of Miami play football until they came to Pitt, play Pitt at the University of Pittsburgh in a Big East championship game. That was the first time I actually got an opportunity to see Miami play. But in my mind was that I was going to be better than Ray Lewis, and there was nothing that nobody can tell me that I couldn't do that or I wasn't going to do that. And that's really the reason why I went to the University of Miami. It wasn't because they won games. It wasn't because of the dynasty era that had come and went two times in a row, and hopefully I can get on it and be part of that dynasty. I actually got to the University of Miami during a turning point where uh, they started to fall apart. And, uh, and again, I had to go through, go through more change. So let's stay on, and let's, let's move a little bit off of football. Because, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure if everybody can really get with you on the on a football thing. You know what I mean? Fair enough. But making a leap from something small to something big, I think we all do it. Um, or how about this? I think sometimes we all have the opportunity to do it, um, and how we do it sometimes makes the world of a difference and if, it, if we succeed at doing it or not. And I know you had a sort of an up-and-down um, experience, you know, coming from Reading to Miami and then your experience there, which I think is, is valuable to people. Tell me tell me more about just just being a, a Redding kid, going to Miami, getting the attention you did, all that stuff. Yeah, because we talk about this in the winning podcast yeah. about when kids, you know, excel at their high school level, right? Best in Pennsylvania, you go to a much bigger pot where people in Miami, you know, there's a lot of tall, built people in right. Miami. Everybody so, looks know, like me in Miami, right? <laughs> right. Um, it was definitely a challenge. And um, it wasn't a challenge from the athletic perspective because I thought that I, I was definitely stronger than 80% of the team when I got there. I got an opportunity to work out with all the offensive linemen and the defensive linemen because the guys or the freshman guys that came in when I came in, they weren't nearly as strong as I was. So I had, a, I had an up on the physical aspect. But just the everyday getting your mind wrapped around the everyday college grind, which is new for, for every college kid that goes in this, into, into that collegiate level, whether you're playing sports or probably more if you're not, 
which I had an opportunity to experience as well once I, I left Miami and go to Louisville. But when I was at Miami, I, I had a problem with, uh, with getting up early, understanding that I had to have um, the discipline to set an alarm, get to bed early, make sure your things were where you're supposed to be, and then get your tail up and get to where you're supposed to be on time. Uh, I remember uh, the first three times that I actually was supposed to show for for uh, morning workout, and it was it was tough to do. I had uh, my roommate at the time was Calais Campbell, who was 6'9", 290 pounds, and he snored like a banshee. So just getting to sleep and waking up the next morning was tough because I wasn't getting enough sleep at that time. But that definitely was probably one of the biggest things that sticks in my mind is just understanding that you know, JB, they want you to get up at this time. Mom's not going to be at the bottom of the stairs yelling up the stairs to wake you up like that, that like it was when I was in Reading before she'd go off to work, especially in the summertime, right? Summertime is yours. You're sleeping a little bit. But when you get to college and you're playing at the level that you're playing at, there is no sleeping time. It's wake up at the time you're supposed to wake up, get to where you're supposed to be, and actually uh, still be successful in whatever they ask you to do. Um, so definitely, that definitely was tough. I think the, the other big factor for me that was tough was just not having my family um, and then also expecting everybody to be your family when they're really not mm. that was mm. definitely probably another really big what do, you, what do you mean by that well you know being in, in being a part of such a big family and even though everybody was so much older than I was I still had my brother Sam who was in the bedroom right next to me mm. so when he got up in the morning time to go to the, go to the weight room, he wasn't really waking me up to get there, but he knew that I had to be there. So he made sure that when he got to the point where he was leaving, hey, JB, you know, we got somewhere to go. Let's get there. When you get to college, it's a little different because you're dealing with kids that don't know who you are, mm -hmm. don't maybe not have come from the same background as you or even the same organization as you where you take care of your teammates no matter if you know their name or you don't know their name. At the end of the day, they wear the same jersey as you. The same name is on was on their chest as you, and you got to take care of those people. And I was looking for those things, mm -hmm. looking for them with my eyes wide open, and it just never really happened, even from a coach's perspective. I've always grown up with uh, the coaching background of the missions. I've had the dad, I've had all three brothers, and they've become a big part of, of my support system as I grew up in football and being going to Miami, hoping that I would find that same coach mm -hmm. was definitely something I wasn't prepared for because I didn't find that. And that was a really big, um, that was a really big, a really big blow to me because that's where I was. That's something I was looking for. The father figure coach that I've had all my life, all my career playing football now I go to college and I'm actually seeking for that or looking for that. And that's not something that was that was given because at the end of the day, once you go from that level to this level or to that level, it's more about business than it is about family. Dan, that's the thing I was just about to say is what we got to realize, guys, is there's at, at some point in your life, right? And for some of us, it happens early, right? right? Sometimes because of circumstances, you know, there's a lot of kids who have to grow up early. You know, they're seven, seven eight, nine years old and they understand you know, that there is business to life. Right. Right. And, you know, I sometimes I get in disagreements with people about vacation time and so forth. So and I said, listen, there is no vacation. When you're on vacation, you're still at work. Right. Because there's business to life. And so I I completely understand when you tell when you say, you know, that you expect certain things and then all of a sudden didn't happen. Because the reality is everybody is on a page that you haven't turned yet. 
you know, they're like, I got to, I'm not worried about JB. If he ain't here, then he ain't here. Or he's not moving, then he's not, and I'm not moving. Although you would think in your mind, man, that's my teammate. I'm supposed to, you know, right. hang it, look out for me. He's supposed to so forth and so on. And that's an extra. Right. Right. You and even I mean? if, even if coming from a coach, from a coach's coach, perspective, yeah. right? Hey, if JB's not here, I still got to run this meeting. I still got to do what right. I got to do. Because right. at the end of the day, he's going to get a paycheck to take care of his wife and kids who All may right. or may not even be in the same state or city right. as he is right now. And I didn't understand that. Right. Because I've always been in the same city, in the same circumstance, dealing with the same type of with dealing with the same people from the time that I stepped on the field all the way up through me being passed off to going to the University of Miami. So let's let's move on from Miami because you didn't stay there. Right, I didn't stay there. I spent three years there. Uh-huh. Uh, there was definitely a turning point when I was there where I made a call to, uh, to a coach and was like, man, I got to get out of here. But for some reason, I stayed. And uh, I don't necessarily think that it was a bad move that I stayed because I learned a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have learned if I didn't stay, mm-hmm. but I definitely feel like if there's something telling you to make a move, then, then you probably go with your gut. Right. That's it. Listen right. your gut. <laughs> hey, you got to take care of your gut. Take side care note, of your gut. Right? Take care of your decisions heck. for you. Listen to it, guys. Heck, that is true. So I left from there and I got an opportunity to play football again, but I had to sit out a year. I had to sit out a year and I had to pay for school. So going from being on scholarship, coming from a situation that I was in where, you know, there was no – Mom's going to pay for tuition. Dad's going to pay for tuition. Grandma, grandpa's going to pay for tuition. Those things weren't going to happen. It wasn't even to the point where people were going to be in a position for me to sign for loans in order for me to go to school. I had to go and make it happen for myself. So I ended up paying for a semester and a half at the University of Louisville before them actually giving me or me earning a scholarship for the, the last portion of the time that I was there. And, uh, and even at the University of Louisville, they were coming off of um, a great season a year before when I transferred in with an awesome coach. Uh, it just so happened that the, co- the coach left and they started a whole nother regime. So it was another turning point in my life where I go to an organization who won the Orange Bowl, was there when I was there. Uh, they beat Wake Forest. They got a great team. The coach leaves and goes to the NFL. And now there's a new coach. The new coach came and found me, wanted me there. I'm there. I'm working my tail off. The year that I had to sit out, they fired my position coach. I broke my foot. I had surgery on my other foot. It's like, man, how much more do I have to endure in order for me to just play the game that I love, be around people that love me, and just so I can just be within a family playing a sport that I've played most of my life. And uh, and all I, I always had to keep thinking that this tough times don't last long, tough people do, and I always think of myself as being a tough guy. So I had to just keep Keep pushing and moving forward and pushing and moving forward. It's not usual for a guy in my situation to have three head coaches, seven position coaches, and change positions over eight times in a four-year tenure at any college, at any college, at any level. But it does happen more times than not. Yeah, man. So, I mean, that's, you know, there's several level, levels of change there, right? So you go from, you know, high school and small city Reading, move to, move to Miami, Things don't quite work out the way you want to. You, you know, you go to Louisville, sort of grind some things out there. Now, enter about 2008, 2009, and that's when uh, you and I sort of, you know, uh, for the first time got an opportunity to to interact with each other um, professionally. Um, and we played on an arena team. Uh, and that's when I really, and I had a, 
I really spent any time. I probably said hi, or I was closer to your brother. He's closer to me in age, but that was probably probably the first time I got to see you up close and personal. Um, and you know, of course, you're a great football player. That was expected, and and honestly, you didn't you didn't let me down on you know in that in that aspect. We right, did, right. In fact, we won a championship that year. Just don't worry about that. Of course, you know we won. But to me, the amazing thing was for you to come into a situation because you didn't play the whole year you sort of just came in and to come into a situation where we had a lot of good players which means there's a lot of big sort of hard and hefty personalities and you know you being one of them uh you know myself being another one you know one of them and we probably had five or six more of guys that have played in the nfl on and off and done different things um but i thought that you were sort of the person when you played that gave us just a little bit more energy, just a little bit more like nuts and bolts to where we were like an intimidating force to be, you know, to, uh, to be reckoned with um, when we got on the field. So that was my first time and where I sort of was attracted to, you know, the type of energy you, you can bring to, you know, a team. So I want you to talk about that part of just who you are, just, you know, the energy that you, that, that I think that you have sort of naturally. God knows where you get it, but. You know, I, I wish I could explain where I get it from. And I guess it's just from the years and years of, of people telling me you're only known by the name on your back and the impressions that you make to people will last forever based off of how much pride you have in what you do. Uh, I remember that that very first game like it was yesterday. I remember my, getting on the phone with my brother. And I think that just through all the things that I had gone through uh, in life, I missed my brother. I missed being home with him. And uh, he said, come back and play. It's Mother's Day weekend. Our mom hasn't seen us play together in a long time. And I was like, you know what? I'll do it. And, uh, and just being around him and being able to play the game with him again. Because I got an opportunity to play with him for two years. It was it was it was great. It was a good feeling. It was something that I had missed. But as far as just energy and enthusiasm, just in my everyday life, I don't know where it comes from. But I know that it's uh, it's definitely based around my own emotions. And and for those of you who are just listening, my eyes are watering because how much passion was in my life at that time. But um, I take a lot of pride in just being who I am because at the end of the day, nobody can do what I do. Nobody does what I do as far as interaction with people, appreciating the stuff around them, uh, trying to get the most out of people because I feel like we cut ourselves short because we lack that opportunity to just be emotional about what's going on. And that's it. Well, and so this is a, to me, this is a turning point for you because for me, when I see people, and I've said this on a couple podcasts now, and I said it about Marty, you know, I said it about Sarah, and we'll meet a couple more people who I, you know, I said about it. When I meet good people, I'm like, I can't leave here and not try to keep this person with me in some way, some form or fashion. So I definitely left that season, like, first of all, scared because I remember the time you and your brother got in a fight, and I'm like, and we lost that game. Yeah, we definitely did lose that game. I'm like, these two guys are crazy. I don't want to get into this room with these two, but, you know, but I was impressed by the passion that you do have, um, 
But I definitely felt like you were super raw. Not in football. Again, football, you could play the game. Just raw as a person and really understanding what you have to offer people. And I, and I definitely agree with you on that. And I think that just now, recently over the last four or five years, I've been able to understand how raw I was and start to really focus in on trying to figure out the best way to not only be me, but brand me. Because I would like to see more people to just be genuinely nice and courteous and, and giving like I am. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about 2010, no, what, what year was that? 2013, sorry. Matter of fact, your brother called me um, and said, yo, Yardy, my brother's coming to Pittsburgh. Hey, he's a knucklehead. Make sure he's, you know, make sure you take care of him. I'm like, okay, all right, man. So, again, I reach out to you and I'm like, listen, I got to, I'm downtown. You know, when you're not playing, I usually come, you know, to get some training done. I'll, you know, we'll do that. Um, then... You know, you know, unbeknownst to you, I had a couple things working with Marty. Um, I put you on to that. You're like, shoot, why not? Right. Which was which was a big thing. You were playing for the Pittsburgh Power, which I know you in and, and, and Vaporite, they had their best season ever, by the way, and it was killing it like always. On the again, on the field, this guy's magical and he's always gonna be successful on the field. Marty comes up, and this is where Marty you can put some uh put your uh yeah. your touch on this one because <laughs> Or like, you know, if you guys went back to the first podcast, I called Marty like, Marty, I told you, like, this is happening. Let's go. I need you to come back up. And he's like, well, shit, I ain't got nowhere to live. I'm like, well, you can't live with me. <laughs> oh, man. My wife ain't going to have that. Right. But I got to do it for you, though. Yeah. You live with JB. I'm like, Who, who's this guy? I, you know, I don't know anything about you, right? Because our paths kind of, right. I was, I moved out of Pittsburgh. You just came to Pittsburgh, right? And, um. You know, I think maybe I talked to James one time before I moved up here, you know, texting back and forth. And, uh, you know, I just got to go. Yarden said he's a good guy and he's going to be working with us. And I'm like, all right, you know, let's let's try this. And so I drive my Jeep, my U-Haul and my dog Porter up to JB's apartment. And, uh, you know, at this point, he's probably like. 315. So he's even bigger when I met him. Um, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm living with James and this is my dog Porter. And he's, I could tell he was kind of like, oh, this guy's got a dog. Who's this guy he's coming from North Carolina? He's got fishing poles in his Jeep and stuff and like got a canoe on top of the U-Haul. Like, what am I getting myself into? Right. But, um, you know, it was a it was easy from the start. Um, you know, if you guys ever met James or taken one of his classes, you know his energy, his passion, and, you know, just how, you know, friendly he is. And I mean that in the, the sincerest way. He just wants to be everybody's friend and, and help people. And that's exactly what he did for me. You know, allowed me to come in with my dog, lived with him for a few months. And, uh, you know, we were able to get shape training started and, and where it is today. So, yeah, that's huge. That's huge. So. Yeah, it's nuts because at the end of the day, we talked about it not too long ago. It didn't matter what his first or his last name was. He was going to have the same name on his chest as I was right. eventually, and I and that was my guy. I had to take care of my guy. He's on my team. That's what it was. Garden told me he needed a favor, and that's what we do. Yeah, man. And that, so that's big. And I, so let let's talk about shape training now, right? Because you know, and you do marketing for us, and I was like, really want. You know, I think God always, in, you know, interjects himself where it's needed. 
And as I was going through, and you know, Marty and I are sort of trying to lay the foundations for things, and Sarah and I are going out to meet with uh, people and doing uh, in-home training, and DJ and I are going out to doing boot camps and so forth and so on. Uh, you know, James and I were packing up our packing up uh, uh, my wife's truck, which we messed up. Um, <laughs> sure did. That, that, that on the side. Yes, yeah. that's all us right there. That's how I know it's your fine. <laughs> yep, you gotta go find that debt. <laughs> um, you know, we're packing that 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 truck up with uh, um, with boxing bags, um, with heavy bags, and going and doing classes. So all these things are happening to them, and I'm going, hey, you know, I have this team, but you know, we all can't just be trainers. Like, what am I gonna, you know, what are these guys gonna do? And I sort of figured out what everybody was gonna do for the most part. I was like, JB, like, what am I, what's JB gonna do? You know, but then I said, I just watch him connect with people. Like everywhere we go, man, he got like a little something with everybody. He got to let, let me tell you this. So and this is and this is gonna make my point. I go pick up JB, you know, from where he lives or whatever the case may. He's like, Yard, can you drive drive me over to uh to this little spot, man? I'm like, where am I driving? He's always asking for a favor. I'm like, where am I driving you at? All right, man, where am I driving? He's like, I gotta go pick up the the sandwich called a Big Jimmy, man. And I'm like, the Big Jimmy, what are you talking about? I knew it was going to be about food. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, the Big Jimmy, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I just stopped this little spot that I stopped at, you know, and I got him to name me a, a, a little sandwich after me. It's called a Big Jimmy. And I'm like, you got him to name me a sandwich after you? Like, what is that? How did you get somebody to name a sandwich? Let me tell you, people, we walked in there, and everybody was like, yo, Jimmy! Yo, Jimmy, hey, what up, man, hey? And everybody, I'm like, can I get the Big Jimmy? And they're like, yeah, no worries. <laughs> and then, it, you know, and it, of course, the sandwich is delicious, but... Then at that point, I was like, this dude just walked in here just like I would walk in here normally, just as a customer. And I'm a very polite person, but I don't have that where I'm going to get somebody to make, name a sandwich after me and be happy about it. And they're selling Big Jimmies to whoever. To whoever. All the users. To all the users, <laughs> right? So that, at that point, man, I was like, man, this dude, whether he knows it or not, has a gift. At that time, I didn't know it. Right. He was trying to get a sandwich named after him. <laughs> but, but I said, this dude has a gift where he knows how to make people feel special. And he's not just making them feel special. He's how about getting them to recognize that they're special, right? Because he genuinely believes that. And he, see, and he, he finds the best, the, best, uh, you know, the best things in people and highlights it for them and keeps that in front of them. And then they feel the need to then give back to him. So it's just this symbiotic relationship that's going on, you know. So I'm like, Shape Training is gonna need that. And I said, All right, well, he can, he could do the marketing for us. And you guys see JB out there, get the boot camps going. He's the one in front, letting everybody know what's going on. You know, you walk in, you know. Now we're all gonna say hi to you, but he's probably gonna be the one to run up, give you a hug, and you don't even know if you should hug this guy, but you you do it, and it feels good, <laughs> right? Um, and he makes it feel, you know, he makes you feel um, special, wanted, and welcomed. So, JB, where do you think you've come as far as um, recognizing what you actually have to offer people, as opposed to just, you know, just be just being yourself? Like, what, you know, at what point, and you know, where are you in that journey? Maybe you're not done with that, but yeah, I'm definitely not done with that. I remember going to. Uh... I remember when I, I went to Canada and I was hanging out and doing my thing and I found another another older gentleman who was well known in the area, uh, super kind, super nice to people. And uh, he talked about having a, a two day funeral. I said, why, why do you need two days for? 
I said, because every person that I touch, I want to make sure I give them enough time to come back to say goodbye to me or tell the story that they had interaction with me about how I helped change their life. And I think from there, I've just been trying to figure out the way, the best way for me to shine myself on the people or give my, my love to people so that they understand that when it's my time to go, they're going to find a way to make sure that they can stand up at the podium and say, hey, JB came to my life at this time, at this juncture, and uh, he allowed me to understand my worth, not only to myself, but to my life, to my friends, to my family. And uh, and I was at a bad point in my life, but you know what? JB believed in me and allowed me to do the things that I'm able to do right now. And that's where everything kind of snowballed from there. And as I got an opportunity to be a part of Shape Training, Shape Training was just became a platform for me to just introduce or be introduced or interact with more people that don't get highs, goodbyes, hugs, high fives on a regular basis outside of their immediate family in a situation where they're taking care of their health and wellness or just wanting to come by to say hello. And, um, and that's where uh, that part of my life has really been able to flourish because Again, I might not be super big, but I'm a big person in a room of regular-sized people. And for the most part, a lot of people are just intimidated by my size and my stature. But I got to get them to let down their walls because at the end of the day, they're not going to be their best them around me unless I make them feel comfortable around me and make them feel valuable to whatever it is that they may be bringing to my life or even to their own life. So that's where it's really been able to... uh, evolve and and even when we were packing the truck up and doing classes the the people that I was interacting with on a regular basis from that situation were always the same exact way to me uh Dara Henny Dana Hannah you know Carrie works like these people are just genuinely nice people hello charismatic about being alive high fives and hugs why isn't that something that happens on an everyday basis for everybody from from the guy that they naturally or normally look across the room and be like, man, he's nor- he's ginormous or he's scary or I'm intimidated by him. But really, I'm, I want to be the big teddy bear in the room until obviously you don't do something that I need <laughs> you to do. And I got to be who I got to be. But I think that that's where it all stems from, me being in Canada and trying to figure out the best way for me to just be an awesome person for that person, whoever that person is at that time. And then doing it every day because it, not because it's my own selfish reason or value, but because that's how it should be. In my mind, in my eyes, everybody should be nice, kind, and courteous, and helping to everybody that's in their immediate surrounding. So I just started to, to try to figure out the best way that I can be me for someone else. Because it's not about me. It's really about trying to get the best out of them for them. Well, I think you just made your own segue. All right. So I've seen you change a lot in the past four years with with shape training, but we haven't even gotten in this aspect of your life. Right. In the last four years, got married, two kids, two kids. Yeah. So talking about, you know, change and and helping people and, you know, getting to know people on a different level. um, Let's start with your wife, Amber. How has, you know, that relationship changed over the last four years and, you know, made each of you better? Man, I've known Amber now, and we will be completing um, year nine on August the 28th. I met my wife August the 28th, 2009. We went on our first date. It was a Friday. I met my wife in Miami. 
Uh, we've been through some ups and downs. We've been in different countries. We've been in different states. We've been in different cities. We've been apart. We've been together. I think the biggest thing, as far as you, you asked Marty, the last four years, she's made me more mindful of the things that I do, the things that I say, the way I treat people, the way I react to people, the way I react to change. Uh, I remember being a kid and and and, um, and my, my good buddy's dad always telling me, 10% of your life is what happens, 90% of your life is how you react to it. Amber has allowed me to be more mindful about my reaction to the things that have happened, knowing that everything is not going to fall in my favor. And that's who I was for Amber when I first met Amber. Uh, and now she's been able to, 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 to take those teachings from me that weren't deliberate teachings and be able to apply them to the things that I've been able to change uh, or grow into over the last four years. And now, you know, we've been married for almost two years now. My son uh, just turned two, my daughter just turned one, and um, and it's just it's just such a blessing to sit down, listen to the things that we talk about in the present state, think about the things and the, the, the things and the trials and tribulations we've been through in the past state, and and just wishing that we were more mindful then, as we are now. And uh, she's definitely my rock. She definitely makes sure that I stay focused on the things and the tasks at hand. There's definitely been situations and avenues where I wanted to veer off and do something else, but she's kept me home. She's kept me focused on the things that I've planted, that I've harvested here in Shape Training. And uh, no matter what has happened, she's always been the one to remind me or to keep me mindful that you stop doing something that you love to do to do something that you found a new love in doing, and that's taking care of people, changing people's lives, and uh, and trying to figure out the best way for shape training to be the biggest part of the change in, and that's, that's yet to come. Uh, because again, I fell in love with the game of football, I chased football, I captured football, I let football go, football hurt me, football didn't really love me as much as I did, but now, being where I am right now over the last four years, I've really been able to find something that I love more than football. That's my family. That's my wife. That's my kids. And that's shape training. Yeah, legacy is important, right? Absolutely. Legacy is important. And I think um, that has been my hope for you is that you understand that, is that, you know, when you're 11 years old and God bless you with athletic ability, what he's doing is giving you a leg up on your legacy, right? Now, it takes always takes us a long time to realize that, right? You're getting a leg up. And why I say a leg up? Because a lot of people don't find out what they can be good at and what how they can, or the platform that they can impact the world until they're 24 or 25 right. or 27, right? Or 36, right? Some kids get it at 11. Now, the goal is how quickly do you recognize that, right? So I'm hearing you right now, and you've been... Uh, you know, uh, touching people's lives on accident for a long time. For a long time. You're right. right. And that is definitely right. the, the, the best way to time. put it. For a long time. Now, now, I think what you have to, you know, what you have realized, and I think, you know, as we move through the shape training thing and, and, and continue to grow, and, and this thing grows arms and branches and all those things, we have to do it on purpose, deliberately, intentionally, organized, you know, bring other people into it. We were talking the other day about, hey, how do we get somebody to get on our page? And, it, you know, it's not really, 
you know, letting them know how right we are. It's letting them understand that we see where they're coming from and asking questions so we can get into their mind. I don't want to try to yank somebody into my mind. Right? I don't want to understand so I can get in a, get get into their mind because maybe there's something in there I don't understand in the first place. But your legacy is important, and I thought, you know, just watching you grow up, you just had a, you had the opportunity to see what your platform is going to be for, you know, for your life, and to create your legacy early. And you know, we're blessed to have you to have you on the team because you're. I think you're a shining example that number one, we all need to change, right? And it's the most difficult thing that you can go through. Is changing because you you are who you are and you think it's and you always think it's good and to in and to live in somebody else's interpretation of what you what just happened or was just said takes humility like we were talking about the other day um, it takes humility I said this but you heard this and actually what you heard is more important than what I what I thought I said and that's tough and that's a change that I've seen you make um, and it's the difference between you, somebody hearing, eventually hearing what you're saying, right. as opposed to them going, well, you know, it's JB again, or it's Yarden again, getting his way, Marty again, getting their way. You know, no, it's, hey, they hear me. I also hear them, I'll be willing to hear them. So, hey, change is important. I think momentum, um, you know, is magic. I said that a couple times. I think momentum is magic, and I think you do have, um, the momentum going in that, you know, in that way as far as change. What's next? What's the, what's, what's, uh, you know, and we know the shape training. Don't tell me no shape training stuff, right? We know shape training, we're going to have a hundred gyms. We're going to smash it. But personally for you, what is next? What are you thinking about? You know, my mind is still, um, and, and just like you said, I am who I am. And my mind is still in a million different places, which is a good thing. With the, with the center of my foundation being shape training. That is what is going on for me right now. That's what I got to take care of. But I definitely want to be in a position where I can take boxing to the next level because that's something that I enjoy teaching people because it's an opportunity for somebody to, to stand their ground, mm -hmm. protect themselves, feel confident about what they're doing, not feel like somebody's just going to come in and take over and invade their space. I think mm -hmm. that boxing right now has been super huge for me and I think I want to be able to, to put boxing on a platform for everybody to enjoy the same way that I present it to everybody so hopefully we'll be in a situation where you know the listeners that are in Australia or in London or wherever they may be will get an opportunity to to learn how to punch properly take a class from JB on an international level I think I think that I have what it takes uh, as far as teaching somebody the mind and body connection and the art of boxing so that they can feel more confident about what they're doing and what kind of direction they want to go in, in that aspect. As far as my family's concerned, I have my two beautiful kids. Uh, I'm not, I don't have an opportunity to add any more to that. Um, and, and just making sure that my, my, my family is as healthy mentally and as physically as possible because that's super huge for me. Um, even though I come from a large family, my family's not here. So I have to make sure that my family, my immediate family now, my wife, my two kids, are as healthy, as positive, and as influential as they can possibly be, not only in our own household, but in, in the communities, in whatever communities we touch throughout our, our, our tenure. Um, I would like to be able to interact with more people 
on a national, international level because I feel like I have something that a lot of people don't get an opportunity to be around on a day-to-day basis, on a week-to-week basis, or even on a month-to-month basis. Um, so it's just, I, I think it's, it's going in that direction. I, I think that um, that being able to take shape training to another level nationally and internationally is definitely something that I want to focus on. I think that doing it through punching is, is what's going to be the key for me. Um, and that's where I'm at. Trying to put together the best curriculum for our, our boxing coaches to teach the game better, to understand it better, and to influence people as much as they possibly can from a boxing perspective or from a, a protection perspective. And and shape shape uh, uh, skyscrapers. This guy's not a slouch in the ring either. By the way, professional record five and one, four knockouts. Right. Correct. So, but that one. Let me tell you about the one. He just got off. Just came from Detroit Lions camp. Took, took the call, barely di- didn't get any training camp, and he came and lost the decision. So I guarantee you if he had had two weeks to even even two weeks to get in shape, he would have probably beat that guy down. So, and no no offense to whoever that guy was. All right, but so this, <laughs> but so this guy knows what he's talking about um, as far as boxing too. And you're gonna take it wherever you, you know, wherever you want to, um, as long as you allow yourself to make the necessary changes right. like you are um, currently. All right, JB, man. A good time talking to you. Learn some things. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Amen. Hey, guys, stay on top of the things that you need to do to make sure that your life is going the way that you want it to. And you have to be open to change. All right. So the first thing you're going to do is change the way you listen to our podcast. Now, we, we lit it up with with uh, Sarah Daniel had about. You know, the first week we had almost like 100 listens. And then we start getting real with you guys. We start talking about winning. We start talking about being humble. And let me tell you about how people saw the word humility and they didn't want to listen to it. Okay? Listen to that one. Take a listen, um, you know, to us, you know, every two weeks on Friday. Um, We're on every platform except for iTunes. We're still waiting for that one. They're probably like, you guys need to get some more listens on that humility podcast before they give it to us. But... Honestly, guys, we really appreciate you listening. Um, episode 7 down, cleaning out. JB, thank you for being here. Thanks, guys. Um, skyscrapers out.